Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. speak Ooh. <laughs> it's been a hot minute it's been quite the minute um yeah <laughs> yeah we just haven't done this in we a while we just haven't done it in a while because we've been busy but we're gonna be better about it and yes. we decided we're gonna release this on an as of yet unspecified day every month yes just to give ourselves a bit of a deadline i think we both need them I love deadlines. I personally. perform very well under pressure. <laughs> As do I. And if no one gives me a deadline, I'll never do anything. If I have a deadline, though, I can get anything done. I think a good example of that is this podcast. I couldn't agree more with you, Chloe. <laughs> um, that's why my friend Sam and I have recently started a book club with each other. Oh, that's cute. Because we were feeling... That are we're not being as intellectually stimulated as we used to be in college, and while we don't, are you kidding? My dad's calling. I'm sorry. Love you, dad. Um, <laughs> hi, you're listening to this. That'll be fun. That was you. I ignored your call. I'm sorry. Um, I'll call you back. Um, Adorable. Sam and I uh, are so we're cho- we each get to choose a book. Mm-hmm. So take turns, and then we're going to discuss it in the way that we used to discuss. Books how do you like that. how do you acquire the books? Do you go to the library? Um. Most of these are books I have bought at dollar stores or like oh, cute. that I haven't read. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, the one we're currently reading is uh, on my bedside table right there. It's called Dynasty. It's by Tom Holland. It is about Caesar and his family, and it's genuinely fascinating. And also, I feel like Tom Holland is the kind of historian I would be because he's really fucking sassy and he's really entertaining and he clearly hates people, which is Tom Holland not the name of a it's famous not Spider Man. It is the same name, but it's not great. The same name. I just I, you know to what? Clarify. It'd be pretty you cool if he was. I writing want it to be the same guy. I yeah, don't think would... it is, because he's like also a professional dancer. He has enough. Yeah, I guess so. He gets enough talents. I don't want him to also be a historian. So much talent that a man can have. You know, only so much. There's a video of him doing a backflip out of nowhere his audition in his audition and like there's this backflip that he does in the first movie he did the first spider-man that's like off a bed and they have like a tiny little wire attached to him he fully just does it you know they say to make big choices in an audition (laughs) they do (laughs) i guess that's what they mean i just you're supposed to do a risk bodily injury and see what happens i guess i gotta start practicing backflips I I'm starting from zero here. So I mean, it's gonna be a journey. It's gonna be a. We should update people. Okay, so every every time we release this, we're Thanks gonna come God, out no. with a. <laughs> this time, I only hit my head four times. Yeah, nobody hold us to this, please. Please don't. Um, <laughs> gymnastics. We need to stay smart enough to do this podcast. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so last time I talked about how I really wanted to do a series um, about centering around a specific event in English history. 
And then I got really excited because there were so many women I wanted to talk about mm-hmm. that I couldn't choose who I wanted to touch first. I didn't, I don't, do I want to go chronologically? Right. Do I want to go just by my favorites? But then I feel like if I don't go chronologically, it won't make any sense because everyone has the same name and it's all very confusing. Mm-hmm. So in lieu of that, and because when I get overwhelmed, I don't do anything, <laughs> I'm going to finally talk about my favorite person. <gasps> ever to exist on the face of this planet, <gasps> Eleanor of Aquitaine. Da, 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 da. This is going to be a two-parter because I got a lot to say. Sure. And I love her. This makes sense. Um, so I'm really excited because I, I re- this sounds so old, nerdy. I really love sharing her with more people. I want you to know we're doing a historical women podcast right now yeah but like so you're allowed to be nerdy oh good this is the place this is the space guys just in case you didn't think uh already that i was nerdy now you really know um but she is i'm just gonna start by saying there were these great series of books that came out um called the princess diaries not the ones by like meg cabot the ones that anne hathaway started movies that were very loosely based on the books i read all very important distinction extremely important distinction Mm -hmm. no but they were in fact um diaries written from the perspective of young women who would end up becoming rulers so there was one on um a hawaiian princess a japanese princess an african a few african princesses there was Mm -hmm. one um, about Marie Antoinette and Catherine the Great and um, Mary Queen of Scots and Queen Elizabeth and blah, blah, blah. So all these different women. And I gobbled them up. My <laughs> sister's godmother, um, Gina, who's one of the most extraordinary women I got to, the fortune to grow up with. Um, she's a badass. She is <laughs> not historical, but she's a she's badass, a badass broad. Broad. She's She a badass And she broad. would fucking love being described that way. She's the best. <laughs> Um, journalist. She's a journalist. She's Ooh, the coolest. Um, Gina gave, I remember very vividly, Gina gave me the full set of these books and it changed my life hmm. because in that set of books, there was one about this girl named Eleanor. It was maybe seven or eight. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know what it was about her that made me lose my shit, but like, that was it for me. That was, I'm like, this is what love feels like. This is, this oh, wow. is what like, I want to be her. I want to be friends with her. I want to know her. I want to know everything about everything that could have ever happened in her life. I It, it became the obsession and it became the reason I loved history and ergo loved medieval history specifically. Mm-hmm. This is why I'm a medievalist. She is the reason I study what I study. Damn. Um, in fact, in college, my advisor, another badass broad, Gabrielle Spiegel, um, if she ever listens to this, she'll be sorely disappointed in me. <laughs> but um, I loved her. She was amazing. And Gabby would always say more, you're not allowed to study Eleanor anymore because you already know everything and it's not interesting. And I went, um, how wrong you are. So I snuck her into every research that I ever did. And she's in my senior thesis and whatever. Oh, so we're delving, we're delving deep in. We're actually not. I'm trying to keep this interesting. <laughs> trying to keep oh this gosh. interesting for people that's so um, kind i i mean it's already <laughs> going to be extended i haven't even started talking about her and i just i'm talking about about her and i love her so much um so this is this is a tale about a young girl who becomes one of the most formidable forces the middle ages ever saw and i think if so much of it wasn't true hmm it, it, you know, it, it's still such a mind-blowing thing that 
the things that we know happened to her happened to her. But I do want to preface this by saying I think what's also really extraordinary about her life is how much we don't know. Mm. So a lot of it's been filled in by different um, accounts from people who are not reliable, clearly have agendas. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just really fascinating because she is this extraordinary figure of dichotomies. Like she is described by the troubadours, which I'll go into the court that she grew up in and Mm -hmm. um, as being the most beautiful woman in the world. She's described as per pulcra, which in Latin means more than beautiful. She's not pulcra. She's more than beautiful per pulcra. Mm. She is this extraordinary being of, of majesty and, you know, and cleverness and wittiness and, and uh, taste. And every priest who ever met her hated her. <laughs> and it was just, they, I mean, not only that, they're like, she is the devil incarnate. Because of her beauty? Yeah, well, you know. You can't be too beautiful. That's otherwise you're a beautiful the, thing to say, Chloe. Or or else you're the devil. I mean, <laughs> I have a lot of very specific just, chosen words to describe one of these men in particular. I'm just putting myself in their shoes for the day. Do you know? Just As seeing, any actor would. Seeing how it feels <laughs> in, in those weird little totally. shoes. The weird little loafers that they wore. <laughs> Pointed toes sometimes. Um Sandals actually. There's nothing wrong with a pointed toe. Never, uh, except the fact that they always pinch my toes. Well, my mom hates them too. They hurt my feet. Hey, mom. Hey, mom. (laughs) Hey, Chloe's mom. Shout out to our moms for uh, making us. Anyways. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I just want to jump in. I will probably get sidetracked because I get really excited when I talk about her. Um, Chloe can see. Oh. Dear I was really good muffins. about how many notes I took. I, in fact, took these out of kindness. I don't need them. Right. So let's let's set ourselves in this in this world. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to the first episode, Matilda. Yeah. So this is a world that is occupied by her mm-hmm. uh, and. At this point, she is not quite married to Jeffrey, her second husband. But this is this is a world where women are allowed power. You know, women are given that, except if you have a stupid cousin named Stephen. Um, but you know, she still. It's just classic Stephen. Fucking hate him. It's that SOB Stephen. Stephen of Bois. Ugh. Get yeah. out of here, Stephen. Fuck him. <laughs> but we're going to. Set ourselves in the the realm of southern France. Now, this is this is a tale involving feudalism. Mm. That old that old thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so at the time, the kingdom of France the, was pretty much the area of the Ile de France. It was just that tiny little bit that pretty much encompasses like the area around modern day Paris. Vassals would pay homage to the king. Blah blah blah. We all know feudalism. And if you don't, it makes sense. Um, Look it up. I'm bored. I don't want to talk about it. It's interesting, but whatever. No, fair. However, the the duchies, meaning the next rung down from the king, were extraordinarily powerful and loved a good little battle and mm-hmm. loved to try and fight over borders and things. So in the south of France, um, in modern day, Aquitaine is still kind of a region, right? Mm-hmm. It's still known as such. But in pretty much encompassing about over a third of modern-day France, was this region called Aquitaine. And it was ruled by the Dukes of Aquitaine. And 
There have been many of them. So by, you know, where we set our scene in 1122, Duke William X is ruling Aquitaine. And his father, Duke William IX, is extremely famous for Mm. quite a few reasons. The first of which is that he's known as William the Troubadour for basically inventing the art of the troubadour. Um, And so it's just a really... You can imagine, you can picture this court being so colorful and and bright and filled with music and spices and scents. And, you know, this this is an extremely wealthy family. And this is an extremely interesting court full of really interesting people because trade routes, you know. And and also, I think, um, you know, wonderful tales that we have of Southern French people, mm-hmm. that, that Provençal, that, that, that is alive and well and being you know, cherished in this court. That's where that comes from. Um, So probably in Poitiers, um, either in Poitiers, Bordeaux, or Niaux-sur-Lotiste. I'll take it. How do you say N-I-E-U-L? No idea. Niaux? Yeah, I mean, it feels right. I've been taking, I want you to know, I've been doing Duolingo for French. Have you really? Yeah. I'm kind of proud. I don't think it's helping, but thank yeah, you. It wouldn't. Merci. Um, <laughs> De rien. <laughs> oh. uh, wow. <laughs> so cultured. I'm going to leave now. <laughs> <laughs> what? This is only going to be me pointing at words going, um, <laughs> say it. Um, Neil sur Lotis. Lotis? It's just, I can't fully read your handwriting. No How offense. dare you? I'm so sorry. I can't either. <laughs> So she was born in one of those places. She is the eldest of three children mm. um, to Duke William X and his wife, Aenor de Chateau. Um, that's how I'm going to say it. That's fine. There's a little chapeau over the A. Yeah, that feels right. Okay. And the one thing I will say about their marriage, mm. God, what a tale. Aenor is the daughter of a woman whose name is Dangereuse incredible yes she is um, my kid now Delille Bouchard I think and Amory the first of um, Chateau um, so Amory and Dangereuse had a fairly okay marriage mm. until this dashing young man Duke William the ninth comes into the picture and goes uh-uh I want you mm. puts his wife aside in an abbey she's like hold up my name's Philip of Toulouse. I'm real important. He's like, I don't give a fuck. We're tired to an abbey. And then uh, and then he's like, Dangereuse, you, me, a tower, let's go. Kidnaps her, she goes willingly, uh, and lives forever in a tower. She already has kids. And then she's like, you know what, William? I have this great idea. Why do, doesn't your son and heir marry my beautiful daughter? And he's like, you know what, Dasher is? Solid plan. So Anor. These are step step yes. siblings. Well, no, they didn't get married. Sure. There's sure. gonna be a lot of that in this story, and I just want you to accept it now. No, I was just clarifying that they aren't like blood siblings. Not blood siblings. Um fine. Their parents had an affair with each other. A okay. Through to the when both of them died. Truly loved each other. Apparently. Seal of approval. It's fine. <laughs> From it's me. Fine. You're okay with it? Um, just, like, based on the context of the time frame and whatever. I just wanted to double check they weren't, like, blood. I mean, I'm sure that No, they are. They are actually, I know that they're cousins somehow, but, like, that's, everyone wasn't related. Okay, cool. That, again, important part of this No, no, it's fine. I'll, let's let it go. (laughs) You're gonna be okay? Yeah, I'll be fine. Okay. Oh, God. (laughs) 
So Anor and William have three children. They have um, uh, Anor is A E N O R in the Languedoc, which is the specific dialect um, in Poitiers, um, and it's still spoken by a few people in some iteration. It's now considered a Languedoc, meaning Northern French dialect, but it's a subset of it coming from the Southern Occitan dialect. Mm-hmm. Um, Aenor had a daughter, therefore, named her Aelianor, A-L-I-E-N-O-R, meaning the other Aenor. (laughs) And that's Eleanor is Anglicanized. Got it. Um, They had another daughter. um, Where is her name? Uh, Aelith, which is a classic name. She was also known as Petronilla, um, Hmm. or Petra. Also known as Alix, A-L-I-X. So she had a few different names, but her official name is Aelith. And then they had a younger brother, uh, William. And, um, so Eleanor was raised in this, I can't emphasize, I want to go and see this court. Uh, you know, if I could ever go back in time and not die of the plague immediately, I would just go and, and experience it. Cause I could only imagine, I'm sure it was boring and I'm just making this up, but like you, you can, ima- you can feel it almost, you know, it's mm. the excitement of it. And so, um, she was raised in this extraordinary court. She was taught, um, Arithmetic and and she was taught her constellations and history and and also learned all the domestic skills. So she was educated to be an extremely well educated person. For even for noble women of the time, she was literate. Mm-hmm. Now at the time, literacy doesn't mean she could write. It means she could read. But because when you're that wealthy, you don't need to write. You have scribes. Um, she probably could write a little bit, but obviously she's extremely intelligent. Her native tongue was Poitevin. But she also spoke Latin um, and uh, ends up knowing Northern French as well. Uh, so she's extremely intelligent, mm-hmm. but was clearly raised in, in a way that she could explore that. In 1130, so when she's eight, um, at Talmont Castle, mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately, her younger brother dies. Baby William. Baby William. And her mama dies too. At the same time? For the I think same... her mom dies right before the brother. Um, they both die pretty tragically. And Duke William X is, in and of itself, he's a fascinating person. I'm not going to go into it. But he was a very, you know, Southern French. He was driven by emotions. And, blah, and like, he, he, he was excommunicated by the Pope a few times for supporting the anti-Pope. It's fine. Um, and, and, you know, was known for being this very divisive figure. But was beloved by his citizenry as his family was beloved. And so his wife and his heir, his, his son dies. And so Eleanor becomes the sole heiress, Suajura, of Aquitaine. Again, Aquitaine is a third of modern France. This is the most important duchy in all of Europe, mm. which at the time in the Western world is the center of the world, whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, yes, this is very Eurocentric, but unfortunately they like to insert themselves in politics all over the place. So it makes sense. She is the sing the sole heiress to this extraordinary dominion of land and wealth and mm. culture mm. and inheritance of culture that I think you'll see she she takes to heart to pass on. Um, and so she is left without a mom and a brother, and it's just her and her sister, and they're extremely close um, in age as well as obviously in relationship. And their father, who I believe at this point is all, again excommunicated, and um, can't set foot in a church. And, and so, you know, 
Things are interesting. Her education continues. Her father never remarries, and he attempts to remarry to a woman. I believe her name was Emma of something. But at the time, um, kidnapping was a valid way to marry someone. You could kidnap a woman and lay claim to her lands, and it was fine. And yeah. she, you know, that was fine. And on the way to marry William, Emma gets kidnapped and married to another man who is one of the barons who was constantly fighting William. Um, you know, the French barons don't like to sit still, even though they pledge um, homage to their, um, pay homage to their their overlord. They still don't give a shit. And they're like, but I want to want to fight. Um, you know, war. It's just a dick contest. Um, so anyway... I stand by that. Um, I'm not wrong, am I? I'm not going to contradict you. <laughs> um, so Did you get that? Contradict you? No? Oh! All right. I am so grateful you said that. Thank you. Listen, that's what I'm here for. Comic relief. <laughs> and to break up my rambles. <laughs> um, Spicy add-ons. <laughs> <laughs> so... So this, that's in 1130. Um, we don't know too much about Eleanor's life at this time. She is raised under the care of Don Jeroz, though. We do mm. know that. So, you know, this idea of, I, as I have come to believe from the myriad things I've read about her, um, you know, she was raised, I believe, to have a sense that God presents himself through beauty. Mm. And that surrounding yourself with beautiful things i again this is my personal belief and what she believes from what i can gather that but that surrounding yourselves by beautiful things is a manifestation of god's love and will and so it's this extra uh, yeah so that's it's, fascinating isn't it and yeah. so this is again my theory but it it it's seen through her whole life this is something i think she holds very dear to her mm. and i think it's something that was passed down to her it seems cultural it seems familial mm. and it seems something very specific to this court yeah um and this idea that culture is again not just a manifestation of like the place around you but of um the spirit of it, which is so holy, I think, to her. Mm. So her religion and and lack of belief or, you know, intensity of belief is very much debated. But what I think is really, really interesting is, is I think anyone in the Middle Ages, I, I don't think there was a sense that you could have an atheistic sense of belief. I think clearly some probably were more religious than others. But for a woman of that time, you know, when the unexplained happens, you have to come up with explanations and God is a really great one because it takes responsibility from you and also it's shoved down your fucking throats. But I think I do truly believe that there's something about how she conducts herself for the rest of her life that makes me think that. So I, you know, whatever is happening in this very, you know, important period of development in her life it's clearly setting the scene for how she ends up conducting herself she loves to wear a little bit of makeup and mm. she loves beautiful clothing because it makes her feel beautiful and and you know it, it wasn't a bad thing this was an expression of her self you know i think there's a so it's in her view and in her court her wearing beautiful clothes and surrounding herself with beautiful tapestries and mm. listening to beautiful music and eating wonderful food and wine. And of course, you know, this is the epicenter of phenomenal yeah. food and wine, you know, isn't selfish. It's, mm. and it, I think, again, this is how I've come to think of it. It's an expression of gratitude 
for God and what he's given you and, and, and an expression of the beauty that can surround yourself that only he could give. That's fascinating. Isn't it? Yeah. And so I think... Well, because I also, I feel like beauty can sometimes be really subjective. Well, exactly. And so that, I mean, well, uh, to an extent, there's like that whole thing about how babies prefer attractive faces. Like babies that have not... Is that why they cry when they see me? Get out of here. <laughs> Get the heck out of here. No, babies love me. <laughs> That's even worse. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm actually, it's a 50-50 shot. I'm actually stunning. <laughs> <laughs> no, what I'm saying is in the wrong light. <laughs> no, no, no. But there really is that. I remember in the darkness, like, they're like in so psych happy to see learning me. about that. There's no, like yeah. that whole thing of like, you know, babies, like literally before they can see properly, they can see the shape of a face. The shape of a face and, and if it's the, pleasing. Yeah, the how symmetrical it is and whatever. And if it's more yeah. pleasing according mm. to societal standards, which they don't even know about yet, no. they will prefer that face. That's fascinating. Yeah. But I guess Ordinate so, me. like, yes and no. Beauty yeah, is subjective. It is, but. But I, that, that is a, a nice way to look at isn't it. Isn't it a beauty? I think that yeah. is, and that's why I'm like, for someone for whom power is divinely given, as is anything in this world, mm-hmm. you know, she, I can't, I cannot fathom her not seeing it that way. Mm-hmm. It's, to me, it's the one that makes sense. Right. And it's the one that I believe she fostered in her children and it, that she fostered in the court, which is, you know, something that is the one of the most precious things to her is her, mm-hmm. her homeland. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my thought about how she grew up, uh, how she was indoctrinated. Um, it explains a lot. She loved being beautiful. Mm-hmm. She was extraordinarily beautiful. Um, uh, fuck people, though, because no one ever thought to actually write down a description of her. So it kills it kills Portrait? me. No, no portraits. No portraits. No portraiture. Yeah, why would you? There are some. There's an of course her effigy. <sighs> there are some etchings, but at the time it wasn't uncommon. Like we talked about seals to have just a figure of a woman that was seen as royal, mm. um, and it wasn't necessarily an actual depiction of that woman. In some ways, that's I, I like being able to imagine. I do, but I also just want I'd, to fucking I'd, I'd know. Love to, I'd love to see her. So, I would, I would give anything <laughs> in the world to meet her. But what if, but what if we saw her and we were like, oh, I don't care. I just want to meet her. <laughs> I want to be in her. Pre- do you know when you're around people who just exude? Yeah, yeah. I want to be in that room with her. Absolutely, alone. Like, <laughs> and to have, I, I'll let you. No, 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 no. I just want. I want us to speak the same language. <laughs> and um, I just want to know her. It's fine. <sighs> well, Single greatest influence on my life. I'm not exaggerating. Listen, that. when your next birthday rolls around, <laughs> Eleanor themed anything? I'll just I'll arrange a meeting. I was you two. born on another Surprise. Eleanor's birthday. Eleanor yeah, but that about. one doesn't. Oh, I'm not gonna finish that sentence. <laughs> Do you not like her? No, no, no. I was about to say whatever Eleanor isn't the one we're talking about doesn't matter. But no, but Eleanor she does Rosemary matter. Does She's thirty sick, but she yeah, does no. matter. I'm gonna she, take that. Back. She is my second <laughs> favorite Eleanor. <sighs> I guess I had a great grandma, but it was my second favorite Eleanor is actually um, from Alvin and the Chipmunks. Um, oh, the female trio that accompanied Alvin and the yes. Chipmunks. The solid Chipettes, reference. Actually, a solid. Thank you. For Eleanor that. is my favorite of the Chipettes. Uh, my favorite fictional Eleanor is uh, Eleanor or Ella from Ella Enchanted by Gail Parsons. Oh, yeah. Which, as you can see, yeah, yeah, yeah. The copy of which yep, has yep, been yep. 
thoroughly misused. Yeah, well, well worn. <laughs> well worn, and that's one of like twelve copies. That's next to. Hold on. What am I looking at? Oh no! The OG. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow! What a what for a response those, <laughs> for all those who can't see what I'm looking at. It is a book. The of, no, it's the book. It is the book that was previously discussed. That the more first ever read of princesses. Wow, this is actually really cute that you have this here. I have it with me always. All the way from home. From Santiago. <laughs> That's how you say it, right? Tropical this land, is the tropical of, land Santiago. of Santiago. <laughs> so, for, yeah, thanks for pointing out the page so I can keep going. I got distracted. I literally stared at a portrait of her and just like long and looked at it. It's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm here to keep you on track. <sighs> I'm fine. Um, so. <laughs> We don't know what she looks like. We can assume because she is described in so many extraordinary terms Mm. that she did not have the hair color everyone else had. And she probably had a little bit of a different form. So we assume she's quite tall. She seems to have been quite tall. Um, Yeah, well, point for you. Negative (laughs) points for me. Um, (laughs) So happy or so tall. You know what? I'm sure she had just as hard of a time in middle school as I did. Okay, so. (laughs) She didn't. She was a fucking... Okay, you know what? (laughs) It's it's hard to be tall, everyone. I'm not saying it's not. Um, I'm just saying it's not as hard as being really short. So, Um, so she probably had auburn hair, um, probably lighter skin, Mm -hmm. and um, she's often depicted as being a redhead. I I don't. You'll that'll come into play, but I think um, she probably also had green eyes of some sort, maybe not blue or brown like everyone else. So the way that she's described leads most historians to think that she didn't quite look like everyone else and cool. was such as such described as being perpulcra. Um, mm. In eleven thirty seven, so seven years after the unfortunate death of her mom and bro, um, Duke William has a change of heart about all this fighting with the Pope. And he's like, you know what I'm going to do? I am going to go on a pilgrimage. I am going to leave Poitiers and Bordeaux. I'm going to leave my beautiful young daughters in the charge of the Archbishop of Bordeaux. And I'm going to set out for the Santiago de Compostela, which is a very famous pilgrimage that one can still walk through mm-hmm. the Pyrenees all the way down into Spain. Pretty. And you can see where St. James is buried. That's around where I live. In France. Really? In case anyone wants to stalk me. Are you from Aquitaine? <laughs> I'm I'm from Osco, which is like part no of... No fucking way! Yeah, yeah, yeah. No way! Sorry, this is the <laughs> most exciting news. I thought your mom was from Paris. She, well, yeah. But the family is... Well, there's just, there's different areas of France that I'm from. <laughs> oh my God. No, 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 not like that. <laughs> I'm so happy right now. <laughs> Have you been to Poitiers? I, I feel like the name is so familiar. I've at least... Shut up, I could cry. It. At least. Get out of here. Do not cry right now. I might. (laughs) (laughs) It's been my dream in the world to go. It's lovely. I haven't been in a while. Let's go. Let's go. Oh my God. And then you can fucking translate for me. Thanks. Let's get on a plane. I thought you were going to say boat. I'm like, "Mm mm-mm. No, I get seasick. Yeah, Um, I would too. I would too. I don't don't like the ocean. I I don't mind it. I just don't want to be out on it. I don't want to sink. So I don't want to throw up the whole time. Yeah, well, I don't want an octopus to drag us down. So that's so specific. I'm just saying. Okay, it's possible there you, are like monsters in the ocean. I I believe it. I mean, what is it like? Eighty percent of the ocean's been unexplored. 
Yeah. So fully believe that. My dad sent me a video of the giant squid moving around. I'm like, never been the same. Do you want me to send you that? No, absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) Just checking. It's already bad enough. Just checking. (laughs) Um, Okay, so 1137, Duke Williams like, I'm going to make good. I'm going to be at one with God and lift the excommunication against me. And he almost makes it. Mm. So he gets on Good Friday of um, 1137. He, the day before he eats, so uh, a not as good Thursday, he Mm -hmm. eats a bad fish. And he gets carried, he becomes very ill, and gets carried into the um, church, the, the actual church. So he's very close. And he's laid prostrate on the altar and dies on Good Friday. Right before his death, he entrusts Eleanor as a ward of the King of France. Mm. Now, this is something that traditionally would happen to uh, an orphan uh, of significant importance, or or not, not necessarily of significant importance. It is it it the way that feudalism worked is if you were an underage heir, you would be entrusted to the next level above you as mm-hmm. a ward, and they would be your guardian, and mm-hmm. they would be then treated like you would you would be treated as a child of theirs and expected to be cared for that way. Mm. He entrusts uh, Eleanor to the guardianship of King Louis VI, also also well known as uh, Louis the Fat, mm. who, unbeknownst to uh, William, was suffering from his own eventually fatal bout of dysentery. Yeah, so this news was instructed to be sent directly to Paris and to tell no one first. So it's Riders are literally dispatched mm. to go give Louis the news as he's lying on his own eventual deathbed. Wow. And Louis has the good grace of mind to, within hours of that news, within hours of hearing that, he has arranged for his Dauphin, his son Louis, and Eleanor to wed. Because, which is, the, you would be a goddamn idiot not to do this. Eleanor is the most important heiress in the world, the Western world. Mm. The kingdom of France is in and of itself not significant. Mm. Their the army's shit. They don't have a lot of natural, you know, wealth in the land. It's not. It, it's nothing compared to Aquitaine or even Toulouse or all the other territories of which Eleanor now reigned. And so, the dumbest thing in the world he could do is not immediately se- secure that. Um, and so, what's fascinating though, and this is something one of the main reasons I talk about Eleanor in my senior thesis, or I got to talk about Eleanor in my senior thesis Mm -hmm. was that, um, the Meritagium is a document that was used to, uh, denote gifts of marriage. It was the contract Mm -hmm. worked out everything in the Meritagium for Eleanor and Louis. Mm -hmm. It was stipulated that only upon the ascension of their eldest son to the throne of France would all of Aquitaine and all the holdings that Eleanor personally held pass permanently into the kingdom of France. That's very extraordinary. Hmm. That's a a pretty cool thing. That was my phone buzzing. No one farted. Um, (laughs) And yeah, so what a document. Right. What a fucking document. Oof. It's it's an it's it's a substantial state of mind that one would have to be in in order to set that one. And Louis, King Louis the 6th would be an idiot not to accept those terms. Hold up. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Right. And so he does. Um, so just a little background on the Dauphin, Louis the Younger. Um, he was not the supposed heir. He had an elder brother, Philip, who died in a riding accident in 1131. Um, and Louis was himself raised to become a priest. He was raised and very devout, um, and was raised to, to live that life. So already getting a foreshadowing of a difference of opinion in this marriage. Mm -hmm. Um, so again, within hours of hearing of Duke William X's death, Louis arranges for little Louis, as I refer to him in Eleanor's marriage with Abbot Suger in charge and a retinue of 500 knights Theobald II of Champagne and Count Ralph to go, all very important men, to go and ride south and now offer protection to Eleanor and then to to have the marriage happen. Again, kidnapping is a very real possibility. This is something that could happen. And Count Lizet and all the different men who who were the barons in Aquitaine are like, oh shit, this is our moment, you know? Mm. Um, so it was of the utmost urgency and why I believe Duke William X Oof. was like, no one can know. Because he knew what was going to happen. He knew when he died young that if he died, you know, early and couldn't arrange the marriage himself, that Eleanor would, in essence, be immediately wed and become the queen. So this is something that happens. And then on the 25th of July in 1137, so only a few months later, mm -hmm. Eleanor and, um, oh, at the, at the Cathedral of Saint-André in Bordeaux, Eleanor and Louis were married and then immediately enthroned as the Duke and Duchess. Um, and so... And the Count and Countess of Poitiers and um, their other holdings. So uh, it's immediately what happens. Um, and what greets Eleanor uh, before she even makes it there is a sense that she clearly is not wanted in the North. She's not popular among the Northerners. She personally hates them. She thinks they're all ascetics. She's not a big fan. They're too religious. They're too drab. They don't wear beautiful clothing. They don't mm. care about things like that. And they think she's a bit of a floozy. Uh, Louis's mom. And he's mm. like, a, he is like the symbol of all those things. Well, exactly. Yeah. Louis's mom, Adelaide of Maurienne, um, thought her flighty and a bad influence. <laughs> and there are very bad memories of Constance of Arles. A-R-L-E-S. Yeah, um, it's hard. Fuck that. It's hard. That's Arl. hard. Yeah, there's, that one's just going to be tricky. I'm just going to come out clearly with a Hebrew influence on that. <laughs> the first guttural language I learned. Arl. Arl. <laughs> it's like a growl. Um, she was the wife yeah. of Robert II, who's 
and I quote, immodest dress and language still brought shock and horror to the court of the North. So she is the last, she was a Provencal queen. She was the last Southerner woman to become queen. And that is the legacy Eleanor is immediately following in the footsteps of. Mm. So two weeks, not quite, after Eleanor and... Not even. Well, so two weeks after Eleanor and Louis are married, on August the 1st of 1137, Louis the Fat died. Mm-hmm. And Eleanor becomes the Queen of France, and Louis becomes Louis the Seventh of France. He is 17. She is 15. So now together, in holding, they have about two, not quite... I'm going to go ahead and say about a half of modern France. And of course, our defenders of the faith, you know, very important members of the world. You're making, I don't know how to describe the face she's making. I'm just thinking about my sophomore year of high school. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, when the. When and all of the mistakes that I made. <laughs> That's wild. I mean, they're raised. It's a different time. When they're, they're average right. That's life like expectancy was 35. Yeah, they're middle-aged at that point. It's fine. Genuinely, yes. Um, <laughs> so, mind you, she's recently lost her dad. Mm. Now she's married to a man that she doesn't know, which isn't uncommon, but also clearly there are some differences of uh, opinion. Yeah, it's not love at first sight. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. Um... Although for Louis it was. I'll get into that. Um, well, because she's beautiful. And or I think he'd never seen any woman like that before. Well, isn't that always how it goes? I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so again, Eleanor goes north and is greeted with memories of Constance and her immodest and flighty behavior. And, and you know, that doesn't uh, really work well. Uh Abbot Suger, the man, one of the men sent down to help uh, with the retinue so Eleanor wouldn't get kidnapped, uh, immediately took a dislike to her because of that behavior and because she had a very, uh, I don't know, an opinion. Um, and <laughs> How dare she? Let's introduce the first real POS of the story. A PS de garbage, as this is French. Bernard of Clairvaux. <laughs> that really is a PS de Garbage. Name. <laughs> Thank you. Bernard becomes, of course, uh, for those uh, history buffs out there, St. Bernard of Clairvaux, the founder of Puppy. the Cistercian Abbey. <laughs> and also the dog. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh, nothing against the dogs, everything against this man. Bernard of Clairvaux is Louis's most important advisor, single handedly yeah. most uh, favored man, and probably largest influence on his life. Mm. We hate him. The palace was very um, dank. <laughs> it was sad and dark mm. and drab and cold. It was so fucking cold. And Eleanor's like, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just going to put up a few tapestries. Sue me for adding gold thread. Oh, that sounds so, like it's going to get her in trouble. It, they, they don't like it. They're not a big fan. Um, she well, she because she's she an spent extravagant of, wanton. That's why. Well, well, she's a whore. Um, yeah. so she spent a lot of money to fix it, <laughs> and um, and to make herself comfortable, and of course to make things around her beautiful, which right. I don't believe she did necessarily altruistically, but I don't think it was as 
horrendous as everyone said it was. I do think she had other reasons for it, which is where my theory comes from. Um, I think, so, so of course, uh, the consummation of this marriage is very important mm-hmm. because it, it's the um, security of the realm mm-hmm. and of a lot of the Western world. Um, so it's a very important thing that they become intimate very quickly and they had to and they were um, because they were like, oh God, I could get into the weird medieval marriage ceremonies. I won't, but I could. Um, people watched. Her eyes rolled so far over to one side of her face when I said that. <laughs> they were just like, no. Um, <laughs> listen, the Middle Ages were an interesting time. Uh, I'd like to visit in a gas mask um, so that I wouldn't have to breathe anything because I think I would die. Um, So, so, (laughs) so they're immediately intimate, but Louis is clearly falling under quite a spell because she's beautiful and opinionated and, and Southern and exotic. And, um, and Bernard was like, "Uh uh-uh, I don't like that she's telling you things, that she's giving you ideas, that she's mm. spending money, that she's, you know, breathing. Um, so you can't sleep with her as often. And so basically puts into practice a pretty strict biblical guideline of how they were to sleep together. Louis himself wore a lot of hair shirts. He was, in a, he was, he was real into the self-flagellation of it. Um, quite a devout man. To which Eleanor says, oh, but I married a priest. With, as you can imagine a very strong note of disgust in her voice. Um, Because, and I didn't mention this, but Eleanor was raised in the court of the troubadours. And this idea, the invention of Western romantic love was basically invented in those halls. And Mm -hmm. so she was raised with chivalric tales of men, knights, you know, idolizing these, um, or idolizing these beautiful women who were held up on a pedestal and they could never be with them because they were married noble women. That was always the tale. They were always married noble women mm. and they would never do anything improper, but the knight loved her so. And it was this beautiful tale of unrequited love and passion and blah. And, and, and Eleanor was raised in that tale mm. and, and the troubadours would literally, would literally write, you know, long verse form poetry about the most beautiful Mm -hmm. women of course of which Eleanor herself was the subject Mm -hmm. and so she's raised with this ideal of dare I say love and that doesn't happen and not only that she's quite a sensual woman because you know and and her husband's not gonna sleep with her and when he does it's probably not to her liking Hmm. and I think I think that is a, I, not only the fact that she's no longer the most beloved thing in the court, but the fact that she is not wanted by her husband or is, and he hates himself for it, mm-hmm. I think must have been quite a shock and not a, obviously not a welcome one. Mm-hmm. She isn't allowed many of her ladies with her from the South, but she is allowed her sister. Right. And this is where some conflict comes into play. Mm. So Petra falls in love with this man named Raoul, who's the Count of Vermandois and the Senchal of France. He's kind of a big, big deal. He's already married to Eleanor of Blois, who is Count Theobald of Champagne's sister. Mm-hmm. And uh, they fall in love. And Eleanor's like, well, I love you. You're my sister. I support you. Mm-hmm. Raoul, I'm going to get you a divorce. That doesn't quite happen that way. 
At the same time, in 1141, Louis comes into conflict with Pope Innocent II, and everyone just blames her. Everyone blames Eleanor. For him coming into conflict with the Pope. Yes, you are correct. Great. So there are these two things of ruin. Oh, look, we're on the second page. Um, oh, boy. That's where we're stopping, part one. It's okay. I know. <laughs> oh, don't worry. You didn't tell me that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is part two, man. This is part two. Um, oh, my God. This then began... <laughs> your face. The relief. The palpable relief. No, I was just thinking about, like, someone who's going to, like, click on to this and be like, great, I have, like, a little hour to listen to this. And then they open it, and it's, like, three hours. And I'm like, ah. No, that's why... That's why I knew I would do I this. It, so that's I why it, I split it into it. two parts. <laughs> Um, if you're listening, don't worry. <laughs> I've got your back. <laughs> I tried. Yeah. I knew I would do this. That's why I split it up. No, I, I love it. I love it. Because I knew if I if I tackled her, it would. I I will go into wonderful diatribes about how much I love her. No, I love this. Which has happened clearly. Yeah, but that's what this is for. Oh, good. We Just want, a form for me to talk. No, we want the infectious excitement. Ah, you know, making history fun again. It's our tagline. I love it. <laughs> no, it is not. It should be. Um, the, so the conflict with Raoul of and Petra and all the other people mm-hmm. uh, lasts about two years. So from 1142 to 1144. And it ends with the occupation of Champagne by the Royal Army. And now something really horrendous happens. So mm-hmm. there's this town called Vitry. Vitry? Vitry? Vitry. V-I-T-R-Y. Yeah, you got it. Vitry. Yeah. Trust your gut. I don't. Um, Duolingo did not teach me how to say that word. Um, also, I've been doing it at work when no one's in the... So, I like... What if someone from your job listens to this podcast? They do it with me. Oh, okay. No, it's fine. You're allowed to do Duolingo at work? It's a store. When no one's in the store and we've, everything's perfectly fine. clean, it's fine. fine. Um, it takes two minutes. I'm just, like, updating so I don't lose my streak. I'm on a winning streak. I'm on, like, 18 days, man. Are you really? Yeah, I'm kind of. Thank you so much. Um, that actually is an achievement. Uh, I mean, hey. So. <laughs> Did well, you just say 18 days? Yeah. You should be fluent. <laughs> oh, is that how many it took you? Yeah, it took me two days, honestly, so. From birth. She came out going, oui, oui. It was my first language. Je en baguette. If, if my mom ever listens to this podcast and tells me that it was not my first language, I'm going to have a lot of years to backtrack on. Oh, shit. <laughs> it's a I'm whole really, identity I'm, crisis. I'm pretty sure my first... I don't want to get into this. I'm, I'm sure that it was for you as well. That would make I sense. I think so. I think it was. I love that your dad still doesn't speak French. <laughs> it's my favorite thing. I love it so much. He really understands everything, but really won't speak at all. I just adore that. It's the cutest thing ever. It is. I just <laughs> fully love that. Okay, so yes. in the town of Vitry, the citizens are massacred by the royal army, and in a truly horrendous... No, no, no. That's not the worst part. <laughs> Don't spit take. Uh, they run to the church for safety. Oh, I don't like where this and the is doors going. are locked and it's burned down. And thousands of citizens die. And Louis goes, oh, shit. What have I done? Yikes. I think, again, for a man who was not raised to be a warmonger, who was raised to be very peaceful, who wasn't raised to wield a sword the way his elder brother had been before his own untimely death, mm-hmm. I imagine the sudden need to be an active military leader was in and of itself really difficult. Yeah. 
And also then I'm sure a lot of pent up aggression about things in his life came out and I'm not excusing it, but one can understand what happened and the clear mismanagement of the situation. Mm -hmm. For the rest of his life, he's paying amends for this. Right. Um, Not enough because, you know, that's not a thing. But uh, to them it was. So Louis immediately sought to make amends after that. The conflict was mostly contained, though. It did kind of end it. In June of 1144, Eleanor and Louis visited the newly built Saint-Denis, mm-hmm. and um, of whom Bernard of Clairvaux was the lead fucking priest. I can't think of the word. Mm-hmm. Nope. Head priest? Abbot? No, know. he wasn't. I don't, he know was? I don't know what you're going for. I'm going to say Abbot. Go for it. I'm going to make that up. Yep. I bet he was an archbishop at this point. I don't even fucking know. Um, I hate him so much I won't read anything about him. I know too much just by virtue of the fact that he's really important, but, like, I hate him. So they met with Bernard, and she demanded he use his, his influence to have the Pope lift. So when Raul and Petra went, wanted to get married, they sought the approval of the Pope to dissolve his previous his current marriage, and in response, the Pope had them excommunicated. Mm-hmm. Um, so Eleanor demanded Bernard help influence the Pope to lift that excommunication, and in exchange, Louis would then make a concession with the Count of Champagne mm-hmm. um, and would formally end the conflict that was tearing apart France. And Bernard was shocked at her attitude and scolded her for in- her interference. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know if you can tell from the way I'm about to say this, but um, this was clearly written from Bernard's point of view. Eleanor broke down and excused her behavior by stating she was bitter because they had no children. And he consoled her. (laughs) He consoled her and said, Ah, my dear, if only you do only that which you should, God will see fit to grant you with a child. Yeah, I bet that was really comforting. I bet she fucking loved that. I would have loved that. I have a sneaking suspicion... No way in fucking hell would she have ever broke, cried in front of that man. And if she did, she was looking to get something. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. Like, yeah. However, in 1145, in April of that year, Eleanor had her first child, a daughter, Marie. How old was she? Uh, In 1145, Eleanor was 23. Cool. Oh, ouch. Yeah. I just did that math so quickly. Those, yeah. It, oh my God, thank you. Yeah, no, well done. <laughs> so they've been married for quite a while and they've not <laughs> had kids. Maybe, Bernard, because you won't let them sleep together. Just a thought. It's a just thought. a thought. It's a thought. But what does a priest know about sex? I bet eight years was like an no, aggressively oh, oh, long time. Everyone thought they kids. were never going to. It was, it was a, yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. However, Louis still felt very guilty, um, even <laughs> my notes, even after all the self-flagellations. Um, and wanted to make a pilgrimage to the Holy Land. Um, in the autumn of 1145, Pope Eugene III officially requested that Louis lead a crusade to rescue the Frankish states who were in disaster and declared for it. Uh, Louis declared officially for it on Christmas Day of 1145. Hmm. He didn't get the response he wanted, though. Hmm. So who came to the motherfucking rescue? Eleanor. Our head bitch in charge. Eleanor. <laughs> Eleanor formally took up the cross herself and uh, recruited her ladies and 300 non-noble Aquitanian vessels or vassals and insisted upon taking part as the feudal leader of her ducal soldiers. Heck yeah. Love her. <laughs> you can see it. They're in a town square. Heck yeah. They're in a town square, right? Like, yeah. 
you know, Louis not getting the cheers he wants. Mm. Who rides in on a goddamn white stallion in my head? Eleanor. Everyone goes wild. The crowd goes nuts, right? And then she's like, wait, 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 hold up. Something better. Who's going to join me? Who's going to come with me? Because I'm going too. These are my men. These are my people. I'm going to lead them. And everyone goes so fucking nuts. And they're like, yeah, hell yeah, we're going. Mm. So they do. Um, Things went pretty badly from the get-go, though. This is, of course, the Second Crusade. For anyone who knows, not a resounding (laughs) success. Uh... (laughs) As I wrote, the crusade did nothing. Louis was weak and ineffectual. Um, (laughs) Just my notes. They first set out, um, hung out in Constantinople, is what I said. Mm -hmm. And then um, they loved the, uh, uh, and everyone in Constantinople, like, loved Eleanor. Because she's like, oh, exotic people, my people. Like, I love it. Beautiful things. A court, a royalty, Mm -hmm. blah. And they're like, yes, we love you too. And she's like, I know. Yeah. Um... And then, really, things went substantially downhill once they entered Asia Minor. Lots of ambushing and massacres. As anyone knows, I don't care about war that much. I think it's kind of boring. I'm more interested in the people and the why. Um, So I'm not going to go into it. Uh, But there's a very famous tale, perhaps the most famous legend about Eleanor, which, of course, a lot of life that we know we can assume is legend. But um, there being uh, the camp... Eleanor was very fam- very famously brought many uh, baggage carts with her of her mm. clothes and and of the comforts that she wanted to bring with her from home and for her ladies, and so a lot of people blamed the failure of the crusade, of course, on the length of the baggage train that she had with her. I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm just saying it weak and effectual leader, just combo right. combo of bad things and a guerrilla style of warfare that was not. That the a Western army mm-hmm. didn't understand. Mm-hmm. So, at all. So they're in the mountain pass. The German army's there. Shit's going bad. They're working with the German army, but they come across. The German army goes ahead, and they never hear anything ever again. Mm-hmm. And then Louis and Eleanor come around the corner and see um, piles upon piles of dead bodies of men who were ambushed and murdered and massacred. And, and Eleanor and her train get separated from Louis. And... Um, they make it ahead and Louis gets besieged and ends up running around uh, dressed as a peasant. And that's the only way he lives because coward. <clears throat> and um, but the tale has it that from beyond the men in the valley who were, you know, being beaten and killed and murdered and whatever, heard a resounding war cry and looked up on the hill And these beautiful women riding bare-breasted down the hill like Amazonian warrioresses distracted the men and won. And so Eleanor apparently led that charge. And she was described by um, Nicholas Kronitas, who is a Byzantine uh, chronicler, a Greek chronicler, um, as being that Amazonian woman. Mm -hmm. So it's a great legend. And in in the movie The Lion in Winter, uh, in the play and the movie subsequent movie there's a very famous speech that Eleanor gives um to Henry and we'll talk about it later um I wrote bed breasted like an Amazon and you know it's this so, great tale so is that a legend just because it's a legend or did they is there basis in truth like did they go topless as a strategy 
or did a bunch of men like make up a story about how these topless women do you know what like I do I and I my honest answer is I don't know it yeah. could be obviously most legend has a little kernel of truth in it right maybe Eleanor and her ladies somehow yeah. distracted them this could be an inflation of a myth with another right. group of women um maybe yeah. not even women it could have been completely inflated it could be all these things mm. I personally find it very hard to believe it happened but it you know I think it was an it nonetheless it's a fascinating tale and it leads us into a great it's, it's a great insight into what people wanted to believe about Eleanor yeah it's what I want to believe it I mean I <laughs> I, I want it to be true I, I but I don't want it to be like you know I'm not thinking about it in like a demoralizing way I'm thinking no. about it more in like a they use this as a strategy as to a distract. strategy exactly I, I like that I like that um well. but whatever the case it was a resounding disaster as a whole. Um, <laughs> regardless. Then, regardless of what happened or didn't. It was a tragedy. It was real <laughs> fucked up. And they make it to Antioch where Eleanor's beautiful Uncle Raymond is the king. <laughs> and they become very close. Um, I think she clearly was in a pretty miserable marriage. He's her uncle. They're right. from the same family. They She grew up with him visiting court quite often. Um, they're both beautiful. They're both beautiful people, it's but just, also more yeah. importantly, it's pretty much one of her only family members. Yeah, but what's more important is you? that they're beautiful people. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, he is said to have had very golden hair. Um, oh well, that's what matters, isn't it? I, all I see is charming from Trek. Oh, I'm not even gonna lie. That that's really the is the first what I was image. And yeah, that was it's when he takes thinking. off the helmet and it's like glistening and it's like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Slow Do you know, motion. I took a quiz that was like, "What Shrek character are you?" And I got the fairy godmother, and I'm not mad about it. Oh, I'm actually not bad about that. I'm not mad about that for you because that means I'm Jennifer yeah. Saunders, and I'm really okay with that. Yeah, that's actually a really good character to be. Right? Yeah, it's not inaccurate. No. <laughs> Sorry, the double negative took me a second. <laughs> I was like, Ooh, we're on the same page, right? Hello, yeah, we are. Um, <laughs> anyway, besides that, so Charming and Eleanor uh, yes. become quite close. But then, of course, salacious rumors abound that they are having an affair. Right. She wouldn't fuck her uncle. I know this. Okay. I'm not saying she didn't fuck other people. We'll get into that. I sincerely doubt she did with her uncle, though. She really wanted to stay because with their combined forces, they she could try and sue for a divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, and she really wanted to. And um, she said with Raymond's support that their consanguinity was the cause of their childlessness. Consanguinity meaning uh, related by blood. Mm. with Within the blood, consanguinity is what that means. Right. And it's, it was a term used to apply to people who got married, basically. And it was the relation of... The degree of relation... Eleanor and Louis were fourth were, were related within the fourth degree, meaning they're fourth cousins. Okay. Um, and you get papal dispensation, royalty, and it's fine. Mm. But Eleanor says, no, no, no. In fact, it's not okay because that's why we're childless. God, God hates us for what we're doing. Also, I hate you. But what um, about her first child? Well, we'll get into that. Okay. So I'm paying attention. I'm really proud of you. Listen. <laughs> oh. So she's like, uh uh-uh, uh, I don't want to leave. And then Louis, and I quote myself, was a fucktard yep. and kidnapped her and forced her to leave. And they went to Jerusalem and then they ended up going 
to Rome and then Paris. But in the meanwhile, in the May of 1149, Eleanor's and Louis' ships were attacked by Byzantine ships, quote unquote, mm-hmm. pirates, which drove her ship off course and Louis. They were lost at sea for two months. Everyone thought the king and queen of France were dead. Whoa. Um, two months later, she came into Sicily. And then he came into Calabria like a mm. month after that. They were reunited. And then they headed to Tusculum uh, in northern Italy um, where the Pope was situated. He had recently left Rome because riots and everyone hated him. Right. Eleanor immediately asked for an annulment to the marriage. Mm-hmm. It was her first thought. Um, and Eugene said, uh-uh, I'm not going to give you that. And in fact, I'm going to do you one better. Here's a bed I've made up specially for you. I've blessed it. Get to it. And as a result, Eleanor gets pregnant with her second child. And... Well, the bed was blessed. The bed was blessed by so the Lord God himself. That's probably why. That's exactly what happened. Not yeah. that her ovulation was you know, Louis, I don't know, slept with her. Right. Um, maybe that. <laughs> I don't know. So dumb. But um, she ends up having another girl mm-hmm. named Alix, probably after her sister's nickname. Right. No male heir equals a doomed marriage. It was it was the final nail in the coffin of this pretty unhappy marriage. Yeah, I, can't I think believe they, she would do that. To yeah, them. yeah. Fuck that girl. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Side question. Yes. If all of France thought that they'd perished at sea, what happened? Did they proceed accordingly? With, nope. No. No they, one. I know just, nothing about this. It drives me insane. Oh, interesting. But the the way that news would travel, I think by the time they knew something bad had happened, they had become. Got it. They were. They they touched yeah. down in Italy. I think everyone's like, hold your breath. Oh, wait, they're here. News gets to you. So, got it, got it, got it. it. The way that news traveled. um, I know there's nothing written that I know of of that time period. Mm -hmm. So, it's assumed, I would would assume that that is the case. In 1152, on March 11th of 1152, Mm -hmm. they meet at Beaugenie to dissolve the marriage. Um, Hugh de Toussy, who's the Archbishop of Saint, presided, and both the Archbishops of uh, Bordeaux and Rouen were there. On March 21st, um, four archbishops, with the Pope's approval, granted an annulment. Now, their two daughters were declared legitimate hmm. because, and this is something that you could do, uh, you could declare them to be legitimate because the parents were not in knowledge of the sin of their union during their marriage. So, even though they were, because they got papal dispensation, but whatever. However, custody was granted to Louis. More likely than not, Eleanor never saw her daughters again. We can, we, there are assumptions that she saw Marie again, Hmm. but we'll get into that in part two. So I wanted to end it with the, I I would say the end of the first, a first big stage in her life. I think Hmm. Eleanor's life can be, in quarters the first is you know her childhood Mm -hmm. second is her marriage to louis third being her second marriage Mm -hmm. and fourth being the time after that so these are all pretty substantial periods in her life all last about 20 years when we leave eleanor in 1152 she is 30 Mm. she has two daughters and i'd like to remind anyone 
that by virtue of the meritagium issued, Aquitaine is hers. So she leaves the marriage with Louis, ensuring, and he himself, it was a clear concern that Aquitaine remained within Eleanor's personal possession. Mm. And so she leaves as the sole regnant duchess of Aquitaine and countess of uh, Poitiers and, and so on and so forth. So he no longer has control? Nothing. Nada. But so He lets he, that go. If He's he has a goddamn custody, idiot. If he has custody of the children, then that means that they don't have... If they're legitimate heirs... Mm-hmm. They are. But he has custody. Mm-hmm. Are, do they still inherit? Marie and Alix are still her daughters. Okay. They are, however, princesses of France. Right. They are royalty. Eleanor is not herself royalty. She was by virtue of her marriage. Mm-hmm. She was not royal. Right. There is a difference. Right. I think um, had Eleanor never had any other children, foreshadowing, um, Marie perhaps might have been in line to inherit. Okay. But I think there would have been another solution found. Hmm. So it's an interesting conundrum, but um, I I think already she's made a lot of fascinating choices. I have been as brief as I could be. I think <laughs> I was impressed. Thank honestly. you. There's so much more <laughs> I want to go into, and I and I I just I could obviously talk about her endlessly and about this period in her life. It's so fascinating. The crusade lasted two years. Mm. They were gone for two years. Eesh. Mind you, when she seeks, when she leaves on crusade, Marie is a baby. Mm. She comes back. She's a child. When she leaves her husband, probably never to see her children again. She leaves a baby and a two year old. So, or two, three year old. So it's, you know, I am one to excuse her. Mm. I think I'm one to give her, to be very lenient with her. I'm also not unaware that a lot of the decisions that she makes are extremely selfish. But I think what I find both wonderful and horrible about Eleanor is that she will do anything to get what she wants, Mm -hmm. which is a gift and a curse, I think, at the same time. It's something I admire and hate about her. Absolutely. And I think that's an, you'll see that a lot in the rest of her, her mythos. Oh, in part two? In part two? <laughs> oh. So, what do you think? I, I like what I'm hearing. Yeah? Yeah, I want to know more. <gasps> Did I leave it at a good point? Yeah, I think so. Okay. You left it at a point where I was like, well, what's next? Okay, good. Which I think is the point of a part two. I mean, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> that and also, people are probably uh, wanting to take a bit of a break. Yeah, take a breather. Take a breather. We'll catch you in a month. <laughs> yeah. Shoot. Take a month-long breather, and and we'll be right back, I guess. I mean, hey. <laughs> so, yeah. There it is. There it is. Another episode. Historically about as frauds. The name of our show. That's it. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Thank you always. As ever, if you have questions. Oh, yeah. You can just somehow let us know. Yeah, write to us. We're here. I'm, I would like to know. Yeah, honestly. I'm happy to answer them because I usually don't go into too much. T- this is me going not into too much detail. So, uh, yeah. Find us. Message us. We're on the gram. We're online. We're available. Chloe posts amazing videos of her singing that I highly recommend that you watch. Oh, quick plug? Always. <laughs> I got to. Oh, 
go check out my YouTube and post your questions for Historically Badass Broads in the comments. I want that to happen so badly. <laughs> we dare you. Okay. Thank you for listening. We'll see you soon. Until next time. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mm. 